we would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your trusty computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and we are beginning the first week of our uh, traditional, and it has become a tradition over the years on The Jazz Show, that uh, we welcome back um, the school year, um, back to work, back to school, all of those kind of cliches with um, a little educational entertainment. And uh, we usually, and we will this year, as always, have two wonderful recordings that were made many years ago, so we have to think of them as, uh, as finite. Um, there was a lot uh, since these recordings were made. A lot has happened in music and in the world and this sort of thing. So we have to look upon these um, entertaining and educational recordings as um, historical documents. And it gives you an idea, especially this one that we're going to listen to this evening. It's called An Introduction to Jazz, and it's narrated by the one and only one of the foremost voices of the alto saxophone, one of the greatest uh, musicians that uh, jazz music ever produced, Julian Cannonball Adderley. Mr. Adderley um, was um, a high school teacher, and uh, in his early years, as a matter of fact, he graduated from college when he was still in his teens. He, he's a brilliant man, and uh, he ended up getting a, a degree in teaching high school. And, uh, of course, um, he also played the alto saxophone and played it as good as anybody you want to hear. But he was a, um, also a, a personality, a very lucid and very entertaining man um, who kind of drew you in. And e even during his uh, performances with his band, you know, he would entertain you with uh, uh, little stories and little anecdotes about how a tune came about and, and that sort of thing. Um, I would say he was just a, a wonderful communicator. And this is evident on this particular recording. So what it is is an introduction to jazz. And, of course, those of you that have regularly listened to this program over the years have probably heard it before. But if you've never heard this, you're really in for a treat. And it involves, uh, of course, naming musicians from different eras and so on, but it may give you uh, a clue as to how this music evolved and also the many names associated with the music. And, and, and uh, you'll hear little snippets of examples, uh, recorded examples of musicians and of some period or some musician, uh, his performance or her performance interests you, then you can further explore that. It's very easy today. You've got the internet, you've got um, scads of recordings. It's very easy to access uh, music by various artists. So, this album was actually recorded in 1960. Now, that's a, a hell of a long time ago for, uh, for most people. Um, however, there is a lot about the evolution of this music that still continues today. 
despite all the changes in jazz music, the, the coming in of electronics, the, the, the um, jazz rock, all the different uh, uh, permutations and combinations uh, that make up jazz music, free jazz, uh, improv jazz, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, but there, there is a tradition to this music, which is continued today. And, of course, um, so what I'm saying is that even though this recording stops at a certain time, when it was recorded, of course, um, it is relevant to today because you can relate to this recording and say, oh, okay, I hear that, you know. So that's about all. Um, we're going to get to it right now. So basically... This is our jazz feature this evening, the first of um, educational jazz feature, but education entertainment as well. And uh, as I said, Mr. Adderley's uh, presentation and narration is very easy to listen to and very easy to understand as well. So without further ado, our jazz feature this evening, an introduction to jazz Narrated by the one and only Julian Cannonball Adderley. He was born in Florida in 1928, passed away in 1975. He was still a young man, and we miss him to this day. But here he is now, Mr. Adderley. just heard two very different sounding examples of the American music called jazz. This record is concerned with telling you and letting you hear something about what jazz is. Not in a music lesson way, but something about what jazz sounds like and why it sounds that way and about some of the many people who've played it and are playing it today. So it seems a good idea to begin by letting you hear these two samples. The first was what jazz sounded like back in the 1920s, which was long before your time, although I'm sure you've heard of one of the musicians on that record, Louis Armstrong, who was a very young man then. Following that was a little of a record made just a couple of years ago, and one of the musicians on that one happens to be me. The first is called Chimes Blues, and mine is Barefoot Sunday Blues. These two selections must have sounded very unalike. And of course, in many ways, they are very different from each other because a great many things can change in music and in the whole world for that matter in almost 40 years. But in two ways, those two different pieces of music are really very similar. For one thing, both are blues, which means that they have the same musical form. The melody of both is 12 bars long. And even more important is something that I hope you were able to hear in both of them. 
a feeling of sadness in the first example and happiness in the second. For one of the most important things that almost all music is concerned with, and for that matter, almost all stories and paintings, is the way people feel about things, their emotions. You feel like laughing when you're very happy, or smiling when you're pleased, or crying when you're very unhappy. A painter, or writer, or dancer, or singer, or a musician is very often expressing feelings like those. Of course, it's not quite that simple, but one thing that you should remember in listening to this album and to any jazz you hear anywhere is that jazz is very much a matter of people expressing their feelings, their thoughts, their ideas about life, and doing it through their music. Back at the beginning of this century, in the very early 1900s, there was no such thing as jazz, but there were in many parts of America, and particularly in the South, a lot of different kinds of music that were soon to lead to the beginning of jazz. Rhythm, a definite musical beat, is a basic part of jazz. To some extent, you can trace this back to the drum music of Africa, from where slaves were first brought to America centuries ago. Chances are that the music of Africa hasn't changed too much so that this recent example of Congo drumming is a good deal like that of long ago. Working hard in the fields have always depended on rhythm to make their job seem easier, or at least to seem to move along more regularly. Add a melody and repeated phrases, and you have a work song. And it often doesn't sound too different from the blues. Here's an early blues singer named Blind Lemon Jefferson singing a sort of work song blues that might have begun long ago in a southern sugarcane field. Other kinds of music, like brass band marches and spirituals, also played a part. And there were also the very catchy melodies of a kind of music called ragtime. Here's Scott Joplin, one of the most famous ragtime composers and piano players, and his best-known tune, Maple Leaf Rag, which you've probably heard before.
Now, all of these pieces didn't suddenly fit together one day and call themselves jazz. As a matter of fact, although there have been lots of stories about that word jazz, no one seems really sure where the word comes from or when people started using it. But early in the 1900s, in the city of New Orleans, small groups of musicians were playing a music that had many of those before jazz sounds in it. Let's listen again to part of that chimes blues we heard at the start of this record and see if you can hear some of those sounds in it. The band that played Chimes Blues was led by a famous trumpet player named Joe Oliver, but known as King Oliver. King, as you might imagine, means that he was considered the very best. Music was a very important part of life in New Orleans. The early jazz bands played in parades and at weddings and other big occasions, and it was no small honor to be known as King. But musicians, like all show business people, usually don't stay too long in one place. After a while, these musicians and their jazz began to move on, and King Oliver was one of many who went north to Chicago, which became the next big jazz center. But since our story is going to travel to different cities and through many years right up to the present, before we move on from New Orleans, we should point out that many musicians stayed right there, and those stayers and many of the movers continued to play jazz in pretty much the same early style. Listen to two records made about 20 years after Chimes Blues. The first is by a stayer, clarinetist George Lewis, playing a spiritual, the old 
rugged cross. The second is a blues played by Sidney Bechet, who was such a mover that he ended up in France and who was the most famous player of a seldom used instrument, much like the clarinet, the soprano saxophone. In Chicago, jazz was no longer so much a part of community life. There were no jazz band parades. But in Chicago in the 1920s, you could have heard a great many men and women who were the star entertainers of their day. Let's sample the music of some of them, beginning with a man known as Jelly Roll Morton. Jelly Roll was a piano player and a band leader and a songwriter and was also widely known for his flashy clothes and as one of the most boastful talkers ever. But his music was pretty flashy too, as in this piano solo of a tune of his called Perfect Rag. This was also a time when blues singing was very popular, especially such moving and deep-voiced singers as Bessie Smith, and also Ma Rainey, who we'll hear now. I'll catch on fire, 
Among the changes in jazz that were taking place in the 1920s was that it was being heard and played by more and more people. The musicians you've heard so far on this record have all been Negroes. But in Chicago, there were many white jazz musicians. Some of them were from New Orleans, too. And all of them certainly had listened to Oliver and Dodds and Louis Armstrong. Listen first to the band called the New Orleans Rhythm Kings and a bit of the maple leaf rag, and then to the beautiful trumpet of the famous Big Spiderbeck, who grew up not far from Chicago and who is playing the Royal Garden Blues, a tune which just happens to get its title from the Royal Gardens Nightclub, where King Oliver's band played. Although we haven't talked much about the instruments used in playing jazz, you might have been able to notice that there's almost always a piano, drums, and either a tuba, or, as is always used now, a bass fiddle to keep the basic rhythm going. And the melody is usually played by such brass instruments as trumpet and trombone, and such reed instruments as clarinet and saxophone. Well, towards the end of the 1920s, Partly because jazz was often played for dancing in big ballrooms, more brass and reed instruments began to be added to jazz bands. The same kind of instruments as before, that is, but more of them, making bigger bands. Another thing that was happening towards the end of the 1920s was that Louis Armstrong, the young trumpet player who had been almost a pupil of King Oliver and had joined him in Chicago, was becoming the most famous and important of all jazz musicians. One of the first of the big jazz bands was led by a man named Fletcher Henderson, and it happened that Louis played for a while in that band. Still another thing that should be noticed is that solos began to become a very important part of jazz, meaning that instead of everyone playing together, as it happened most of the time with a band like King Oliver's, there were more and more times when a single instrumentalist, assisted by the rhythm instruments, would play his own variations of the melody. That, basically, is improvising, one of the words you hear most often in connection with jazz, and meaning creating your own music to some extent instead of sticking to the written down notes, which, of course, is part of the expressing your feelings through music idea that we pointed to at the beginning as so important a part of jazz. There has been improvisation in jazz almost from the start, but Armstrong can really be called the first great soloist, the man who first made the individual solo 
the most exciting and interesting part of a jazz performance. We can get some idea of all three points, big bands, Louis Armstrong, and solos by listening to Fletcher Henderson's orchestra in a recording with a solo by Louis. Jazz was certainly not staying in any one city all this time. Talented musicians could be heard in many places. For example, in New York, there was an unusual young piano player named Fats Waller, who also liked to sing in his own way, and who was one of the most funny performers of any kind. Listen to what he could do with something like Stephen Foster's Oh Susanna. In that growth of big bands, which became very important in the 1930s, no one was more essential than band leader and composer Duke Ellington. His first band may not sound too different from what you've heard so far, but it was the beginning of a very new form of jazz in which the big, rich sounds of a whole orchestra were used to express the ideas and feelings of this one man. Decide for yourself whether this early, not too big, Duke Ellington band sounds like something different. Thank you. 
The story of jazz is very much a story of great individual performers, particularly those who were imaginative enough to do things that no musician had thought of before them. Louis Armstrong was one of them, of course, but in some ways, a man named Coleman Hawkins is even more remarkable. At least Louis had been able to learn from other trumpet players. But Coleman Hawkins plays tenor saxophone. He was a member of that Fletcher Henderson band you heard a little way back. And the saxophone had really been added mostly to help create that bigger, fuller dance band kind of sound. But Hawkins made the saxophone into a true jazz instrument simply by inventing a style of playing that produced wonderful original solos, thus showing the way for all the saxophonists who came along later, for which all of us are thankful. Hawkins is still playing, and still playing fascinating jazz, as on this tune called Think Deep, recorded just a few years ago. <laughs> The 1930s were the swing era, with big orchestras like those of Benny Goodman and Ellington and Count Basie and many others, playing a music that was much smoother and more carefully written down and more suitable for dancing than any earlier jazz had been. Swing referred mostly to that kind of easily rocking rhythm, whether fast or slow, but it was still jazz still a music that expressed emotions and had a place in it for the musical variations of an individual soloist. Often, however, it was when the men who played in the big orchestras were able to make records with smaller groups that they were able to feel closest to the kind of jazz feeling they liked best. For example, here is a small jazz group led by a trumpeter named Buck Clayton, who was with Count Basie's orchestra followed by another small group that includes musicians who regularly played in Duke Ellington's big band. 
Early in the 1940s, there began to be another change in the form and sound of jazz, possibly the biggest change of all so far. It involved different ways of dealing with rhythms and harmony and even with melody. And it often called for much more musical schooling than had been needed to play jazz earlier. So for one thing, it sounded very strange indeed when first heard. Strange not only to the public, but also to older jazz musicians. And for another thing, it is harder to discuss or describe without getting into technical or complicated musical language. But bebop, which was the first name given to this new kind of music, and the other forms which have followed it, have come to be the accepted forms of jazz today. Really, the only kind of jazz that most of today's musicians, like myself, find a true and effective way of expressing ourselves. Modern jazz was largely created by the musical thinking and experimenting of such men as alto saxophonist Charlie Parker, trumpeter Dizzy Gillespie, and pianist Thelonious Monk. Listen to this example, a Thelonious Monk composition titled Epistrophe. The composer is at the piano, and the others include a very strongly rhythmic modern drummer, Art Blakey and two remarkable tenor saxophonists. One is Coleman Hawkins, who we first noted in the 1920s, and the other is the most inventive young modernist named John Coltrane. Listening to modern jazz, you are bound to be confused by all the many names of performers and of styles, you know, cool jazz, soul music, hard bop, and lots more, none of which I intend to try to explain. The point is that today's jazz is still in the midst of being formed and reformed. The earlier forms, even though in some cases they are still being played today, can be looked at a bit more clearly since they are settled and won't be changing anymore. I can only recommend that you listen to records wherever you can and as much as you can, and I can mention a few of the many current names you will come across in your listening. There are trumpet players like Dizzy Gillespie and Miles Davis and a great many younger men, including my brother, Nat Adderley. Listening to a bit of his work here will also give you a touch of two instruments we haven't mentioned before guitar and cello. The guitar has always been around in jazz. It was the instrument accompanying the blues of Blind Lemon Jefferson. But in today's jazz, it is more often played as a melody instrument, as if it were a horn, rather than as part of the rhythm, particularly when it is played by so inventive a guitarist as the one you can hear now, Wes Montgomery. 
Cello hasn't been mentioned because it is rarely a jazz instrument, except when a talented bass player, such as Sam Jones, makes use of it. Tenor saxophone is a widely popular jazz horn, and among the most important young musicians using it are John Coltrane, who we mentioned a moment ago, and Sonny Rollins, who really doesn't sound too different from Coleman Hawkins, but is obviously an artist with ideas all his own. should keep your ears open for many others, too. J.J. Johnson, who plays trombone, a fascinating group called the Modern Jazz Quartet, who have devoted much of their thinking and playing to bringing jazz closer to concert hall music, and a great many pianists, such as Dave Brubeck and Ahmad Jamal, and a young man with a really beautiful piano sound, Bill Evans, who we'll listen to now. Most of today's jazz is played by small groups, but there have been and still are several large orchestras. Some of the most famous big band leaders of the modern period include Stan Kenton, 
Duke Ellington, who is still going strong, and Woody Herman. Here, for example, is what a recent Herman orchestra sounds like. Singing has always been closely connected with instrumental jazz. In the early days of New Orleans and Chicago jazz, there were the blues singers, like Blind Lemon Jefferson and Bessie Smith and Ma Rainey. The swing period had its singers, like Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald, who is still one of the most enjoyable singers you could hope to hear. And in the present jazz period, several singers have attempted to express the same sort of newer and freer feeling as the instrumental musicians are doing. Probably the most successful has been Sarah Vaughan, who really has to be thought of as being as much of a musician and an improvising soloist as if she were playing a horn. I keep wishing I was somewhere else Walking down a strange new street Hearing words that I have never heard from a man I've yet to meet I'm as busy as a spider Spinning daydreams I'm as giddy as a baby on a swing I haven't seen a crocus Or a rosebud Or a robin on a Of course, today's jazz is very different from yesterday's. Just as the latest model automobiles look very different from a Model T Ford. But there are many similarities, and one way of emphasizing them might be to listen to a modern jazz group playing the same sort of tune that was played by New Orleans bands. Listen to an old spiritual, Wade in the Water, as recorded in 1960 by a band led by tenor saxophonist Johnny Griffin. Thank you. 
even when the tune is a brand new one, the jazz spirit can be very much the same as it has always been. I think that my band, if it is being successful in playing what we feel, means very much the same to people who hear us as the jazz groups of the 20s or 30s or 40s meant to their listeners, or as some very different sounding jazz musicians of the 1970s and the 80s and the 90s are going to mean to you and your children. Here is a final sample is one of our recent numbers. I hope that you have enjoyed this introduction to jazz and that it has given you some understanding of what this particular kind of American music is all about. I know and I want you to realize that this has not been any complete history. There's only been time to touch upon some of the highlights and some of the important points. I've had to leave out many details and a great many important ideas and great many names in the jazz story. But perhaps this album has started you towards an interest in this music and has made you curious and ready to start listening to what is to me and many others a most important and fascinating part of American music and life. I certainly hope it has.
And that, ladies and gentlemen, was our jazz feature. An introduction to jazz narrated by the great alto saxophonist and band leader and raconteur Julian Cannonball Adderley. Mr. Adderley recorded this album way back in 1960. And, of course, as he said, um, the world and music will be changing a lot in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and so on and so forth. And it has. But there is still um, a tremendous relevance uh, to this brief history of jazz. And uh, as he uh, so lucidly stated, um, we'll give you an idea of um, the beginnings of jazz music and how it evolved over the years and introduce you, um, many of you, to some of the great uh, artists in jazz music. So I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, our final selection, of course, featured Mr. Adderley on the alto saxophone from a, a wonderful album called Cannonball Takes Charge. And um, it featured uh, Julian Cannonball Adderley on alto saxophone, Winton Kelly on piano, Percy Heath on bass, and Percy's brother, Albert Heath, on drums. And Cannonball Adderley's composition, The Barefoot Sunday Blues. All right. Hope you enjoyed that, and we'll be back after these relevant messages with uh, some more great music. We have some great uh, Canadian artists uh, featured uh, this evening, and uh, we'll be bringing them to you, and uh, of course, uh, some other gems as well. You are listening to CITR FM 101.9, or live streaming, of course, CITR.com. C-A. And my name's Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show. The year is 2124. Civilization as you know it is gone. The last remaining archive of Vancouver's music, art, and underrepresented issues is the September 2018 issue of a magazine called Discorder. 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 The September issue of Discorder is out now. This month, there are pieces on Andrea Warner, the author of Buffy St. Marie's Authorized Biography, Commercial Drag, a weekly drag show for anyone and everyone, music features with local bands Landline and Board Decor, an art feature by Nada Hayek, live reviews of Ponderosa Festival and Poetry is Bad for You, and of course, reviews of new albums, podcasts, and books. Thank you to our advertisers, The Rio, Blueprint, The Cinematheque, The Rickshaw Theatre, East Band Graphics, SFU, Timber Concerts, The Vancouver International Film Festival, The Vancouver Art Book Fair, and The AMS.
Mm-hmm. Well, we have, uh, we're going to take a peek at the weather. And, of course, the weather. <laughs> is summer really gone? Well, I guess it is, unfortunately. At least for a while, you know, it may come back in the middle of the month or toward the end of the month. But, uh, yeah, yeah, this is it. It seems so sudden, too. But uh, that's the way it is. The seasons change. Tonight is cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower and even a chance of a thunder shower with a low of 14. And tomorrow will be cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower with uh, a low of 14 and a high of 16. Wednesday, cloudy with a 40% chance of a shower, low of 13, high of 17. Ah, and it goes on. Thursday, cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower with a low of 13, high of 15. And Friday, periods of rain. We haven't had that one for a long time. Periods of rain on Friday with a low of 12 and a high of 15. And then a little bit of a respite on Saturday. It's just cloudy with a low of 10 and a high of 17. And again, cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower on Sunday with a low of 10 and a high of 18. So, if you haven't, uh, <laughs> if you didn't get your tan uh, during uh, this summer, you might be out of luck. Anyway, that was the synopsis for the week. Our wonderful weather, changeable. And we do need the rain, but we're going to get a lot of it, as we all know, because we live in Vancouver. People are really done with politics as usual. But then it's all about the competition. Every Vancouverite has their own story. The perfect time for our alternative. Vancouver's municipal election looms October 20th. Do you know who's running for city council, school board, parks board? This is a wacky municipal election and you're going to want to stay updated. Download Seeking Office, the newest municipal elections podcast from CITR's News Collective. Find Seeking Office on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you download your podcasts starting July 3rd. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenim speaking Musqueam people. One of the saddest things about uh, listening to the jazz feature, of course, is that uh, most of the musicians, including Mr. Adderley himself, um, have passed away, and uh, but you know uh, there's so many musicians today that are alive and well and playing so tremendous music that uh, the traditions of jazz music do carry on. And those of you that are interested or just getting interested, there's just a wealth of information out there. We're going to turn the clocks back a little bit and um, play you some music from some great Vancouver musicians, most of them 
uh, on this disc have passed on. One of them, of course, became um, internationally known, and deservedly so. He was uh, an amazing musician and a band leader. He led the band at the Cave for so many years and uh, backed up um, just about every major star that you can imagine in the golden days of uh, the, the Cave nightclub down on Hornby Street. I'm talking about Fraser McPherson. And Fraser, of course, was a wonderful saxophonist. Uh, his main instrument, he played them all, and clarinet and flute and all that kind of stuff, but his major instrument was the tenor saxophone. And I guess uh, when you listen to Fraser, you hear his influences. I know I got to know Fraser very well, and uh, he loved Stan Getz, and he also loved Ben Webster. And those two uh, saxophones... Uh, saxophone players, even though their styles were very different, um, really influenced um, Fraser a lot. And of course, he had his own distinctive approach to the tenor saxophone. We're going to listen to him here on three tunes that uh, were recorded for CBC Radio uh, at the tail end of January in 1963. And it features uh, Fraser McPherson on tenor saxophone, along with Carr Snedden. There's an underrated musician, wonderful uh, uh, trumpet player, band leader, contractor. Um, Carr Snedden plays the trumpet and the valve trombone on uh, certain selections. And the rhythm section is worked as a trio for many years um, at a club called the Arctic Club. Uh, which was located uh, down on Dunsmuir Street, Dunsmuir and Pender. Of course, <laughs> that's no more, too, but that's part of Vancouver's history. And that trio was led by a wonderful pianist who unfortunately passed away at age 37, 1964, Chris Gage. Chris, had he lived, would have become internationally known. He was just a tremendous musician. Anybody that worked with him realized that uh, he was the real deal. And he led his trio, uh, which is the rhythm section on this set. Chris Gage on piano, Stan Johnson on bass, whose nickname was Cuddles. Uh, <laughs> Stan Johnson was a bag of bones. He was skinny, really skinny, which is why they called him Cuddles. And, um, of course, uh, on drums, uh, wonderfully ebullient and tasteful drummer, Jimmy Whiteman. So, Fraser McPherson, tenor saxophone. Car Snedden on trumpet, valve trombone, Chris Gage on piano, Stan Johnson on bass, and Jimmy Whiteman on drums. We're going to hear three tunes. The first one is a Woody, um, not a Woody, uh, it was dedicated to Woody Herman, but it was written by Dizzy Gillespie, and it was called Wooden You. The second tune was uh, Thelonious Monk's most famous tune, and that, of course, is Round About Midnight. And the third tune is uh, a great standard tune, uh, called Speak Low, and uh, that is, um, I forget who wrote that tune now, but uh, um, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll find out. It doesn't matter anyway. It's a great tune. So here then is the great Fraser McPherson and company. <laughs> Thank you. 
The music of tenor saxophonist Fraser McPherson, one of Vancouver's great musicians who passed on many years ago. These three tones are from a CBC radio broadcast from January 31st, 1963, and Fraser and his quintet with Kars Snedden on trumpet and on the last tune on valve trombone, and of course the wonderful rhythm section, the Chris Gage Trio with Mr. Gage, the late great Mr. Chris Gage on piano, Stan Cuddles Johnson on bass, and Jimmy Whiteman on drums. And we, this is from an album that uh, came out a number of years ago um, on an independent label, actually. Um, Just a Memory Records. And um, the album is called Our Blues. And uh, it's a whole series of performances by uh, Fraser and, uh, and his quintet. So the th- three tunes we heard, Dizzy Gillespie's Wooden You was the first one. Thelonious Monk's Round Midnight was the second one. And Kurt Vile and Ogden Nash, this <laughs> tune called Speak Low. I couldn't think of the uh, composers of that tune, but Speak Low is a standard tune. Kurt Vile and Ogden Nash wrote it. Great tune and uh, uh, a great favorite of uh, uh, proficient jazz musicians. Yes, Fraser McPherson, one of Vancouver's great legends. And uh, we're going to continue now with another wonderful legend, and unfortunately a couple of them actually who have passed away. The trio here is led by the wonderful Linton Garner, and Linton was a big part of uh, Vancouver's jazz scene for many years. He worked, uh, played at the Four Seasons Hotel for many years, um, played at Rossini's, uh, down at U in York when that uh, establishment was all happening. Uh, Linton was the house pianist there, worked at the Three Greenhorns, which was uh, down in the West End. Linton was uh, a marvelous musician. I had an opportunity to uh, work with him uh, several times, and he was just an inspiration to be around. He um, was Errol Garner's older brother, and um, Errol Garner, of course, uh, he worshipped his uh, his more famous brother, but Linton was a huge part of the Vancouver jazz scene, and his personality and his uh, gentleness and wisdom uh, will certainly be missed. We're going to hear two tracks from an album that uh, Corey Weeds had the wisdom to record uh, at the cellar um, with another wonderful musician who left us far too young, And we all miss him, too. Ross Taggart. Ross is on tenor saxophone and, of course, Linton on piano and Russ Botton on bass. And uh, fortunately, Russ is still very much with us, um, one of Vancouver's finest bass players. So those three people uh, recorded at uh, Corey Weed's Cellar, which, of course, was uh, out on West Broadway. And uh, this was one of the last... Uh, performances by Linton. He, um, his health wasn't uh, very good, and um, this was recorded in November of 2002, and we lost Linton on March the 6th, 2003, sad to say. But here he is, and we're going to hear a standard tune 
which every jazz musician has to know. And, of course, the tune is All of Things You Are. And the second tune is a composition by Linton Gardner. It's a blues, and it's called Blues for Jimmy Q. So here then, Linton Gardner with, on piano with Ross Taggart on tenor saxophone and Russ Botton on bass. We begin with All of the Things You Are. Thank you. 
That was recorded at uh, Corey Weed's Cellar on West Broadway in November of 2002. And it was one of Linton Garner's last performances. Um, Linton died a few months later, March 6, 2003. And we heard Linton on piano. And, of course, he was one of the, the mainstays of Vancouver's jazz scene for so many years, along with Ross Taggart, the late, great Ross Taggart. He was another musician who, Linton had lived a good long life, but Ross Taggart was, his life was cut short, and uh, we miss both of them um, today. Uh, Ross was such a wonderful person and musician, as was Linton, and they were uh, truly inspiring to be around. Um, personally and musically. So Linton Garner on piano, the late Ross Taggart on tenor saxophone, and the still living and and, uh, playing all the time, (laughs) Russ Botton on bass. And we're glad Russell's still here. He's one of our city's finest bass players. We heard two tunes. Uh, The first was the uh, standard All the Things You Are, and the second one was uh, Simple Blues that was written by Linton Garner for a long-standing friend of his, and it was called Blues for Jimmy Q by Linton Garner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to introduce you to a young lady who um, not too long ago uh, sent me this uh, disc. Her name is Natasha D'Agostino, and she's a singer and a good one, and she performs with some of our finest younger musicians on this uh, independently produced CD called Endings Rarely Are. And Natasha was uh, a graduate of Cap College. Um, She graduated in uh, 2017, and uh, she's uh, beginning to sing at different gigs uh, in Vancouver. And she certainly put together a a wonderful album. Um, So Natasha is on voice. David Blake, who is one of her musical mentors on guitar, Paul Rushka on bass, and Bernie Arai on drums. And we're going to hear two standards uh, from this album. The first one is uh, a Frank Lesser tune called I've Never Been in Love Before. And the second tune was written by uh, Coots and Gillespie. It's a great tune, You Go to My Head. So here then is the Unique vocal stylings of Natasha D'Agostino. It's you, it's you forevermore. I've never been in love before. I thought my heart was safe. I thought I knew the score. But this is why that's all too strange and strong. I am full of foolish song, and out my song must be. 
bubbles in a glass of champagne You go to my hand Like a sip of sparkling burgundy brew And I find the very mention of you
The voice of Natasha D'Agostino, and wonderful singer, and we heard her do two tunes from her brand new album that uh, just arrived in my mailbox a few days ago. The album is called Endings Rarely Are, and um, Natasha, as I mentioned before, is a graduate of Cap College. They sure can produce them out there, I'll tell you. Natasha D'Agostino singing along with David Blake on guitar, Paul Rushka on bass, and Bernie Arai on drums, and of course three of our younger leading Vancouver musicians, and of course uh, Natasha. And we heard um, two great standard tunes. The first one, Frank Lesser's tune, I've Never Been in Love Before, and the second tune by Coots and Gillespie, You Go to My Head. Tune uh, actually put on the one of the great versions uh, was by Billie Holiday, but uh, Natasha's version, wonderful. And uh, she's a new voice on the scene here in Vancouver. Endings rarely are. Natasha D'Agostino. And um, you can uh, get onto her website. It's uh, Natasha, of course, N A T A. S-H-A-D-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-O dot com. Natasha D'Agostino dot com. All one word. Check her out. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or, of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker. And we're here every Monday night with some of the very best in jazz music. And certainly hope you're enjoying the show and glad, glad you're out there and uh, checking us out. I'd just like to mention a couple of very important websites. And I usually uh, mention those two uh, great websites. One of them is VancouverJazz.com, which is put together and curated by my old friend Brian Nation. VancouverJazz.com. There's lots of great links on that one. And the other website is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. Now, they have concerts coming up. They produce the um, Vancouver International Jazz Festival. Uh, They have all kinds of things going on. And, of course, they are backers of Frankie's Jazz Club, of course, which is down on Beattie Street. Corey Weeds does the programming for Frankie's, and of course, there's all kinds of wonderful people um, that uh, play there. And uh, and you can get uh, the schedule of Frankie's and who's coming 
Um, you can book a table. You can pay for it. You can do everything on this particular website, and that's coastaljazz.ca. And um, that's it, vancouverjazz.com, coastaljazz.ca. That's about all you need here in Vancouver and find out what's going on in our music scene as pertaining to jazz music. Um, I'd also like to mention Pat's Pub, of course, which is uh, in Vancouver's uh, downtown east side at the legendary Patricia Hotel. And uh, every Saturday afternoon, they have some great jazz music down there. Uh, played by some of our finest musicians, and it's free. There is no cover charge. Um, you can sit there, uh, nurse a drink, uh, have a hamburger. There's good food down there, just very comfortable atmosphere. Lots of parking around, and it's, it's quite safe down there as well, despite what people say about the uh, downtown east side. It's uh, a little further away from, uh, well, you know what, so it is um, a great place to go, and as I said before, very economical, too. No cover, ever. And uh, from 3 o'clock in the afternoon until 7 o'clock in the evening, jazz music by some of our finest musicians at Pat's Pub. Check it out every Saturday afternoon. We're going to take you to a legendary club in Montreal. Now, very, very few recordings. As a matter of fact, no recordings have uh, until this uh, has come up, uh, no recordings have ever been made at Rockhead's Paradise. It was run by the Rockhead family in Montreal. Members, uh, prominent members of uh, um, Vancouver or uh, Montreal's Black community, and uh, it was owned by um, Rufus Rockhead and uh, his relatives and. Uh, uh, siblings took care of the club for many, many years. It was down on St. Antoine Street and um, Mountain. And, of course, um, it's no longer there, sad to say, but it was a huge part of um, the Montreal music community. But at the time, there was so much going on in the city, especially the 50s and 60s, but very, very few recordings. Uh, Canada doesn't, didn't really have a recording industry, and we didn't have the... The, the kind of technology that we have today. I mean, you can walk into a club and record everything on your phone, and it sounds good. Um, and, of course, uh, that was not possible back in those days. So very few recordings um, ever came out of uh, uh, Rockheads, and these are among the first. Uh, Rockheads, of course, had a floor show, and uh, the musicians that played there had to play all kinds of different music for the uh, floor show performers, but they were also a hardcore jazz group, and, and there was lots of room at that uh, club for jazz music. So we're going to hear a jam session. Um, it's a, a blues um, You'll hear a Charlie Parker tune in here, but it's basically put together by the band. And uh, Norman Marshall Villeneuve recorded this on his uh, own tape recorder and, of course, uh, had the tapes for years and just recently discovered them and uh, uh, put them out on an album. Norman um, is now 80 years old and 
was, although he lived in Toronto for many years, he was really one of the mainstays of the Montreal jazz scene. He's back in Montreal now. In his early years, he was known as Norman Griffiths, but uh, he decided to uh, um, adopt his um, mother's name, and he became Norman Marshall Villeneuve, and a wonderful musician and person as well. Anyway, he's responsible for uh, putting this out on, on an album, so we're going to hear the Rockhead's Paradise Show Band, but they're playing some good jazz music here. And guess who's on piano? Linton Garner. He was living in Montreal at the time. Linton on piano, Nick Aldridge on Fender bass, uh, very fine trumpeter, Alan Wellman on trumpet, and my friend Alvin Paul on tenor saxophone. He kind of steals the show on this. He's great and sounds wonderful, and of course on drums, uh, the always dynamic Norman Marshall Villeneuve. So here we go, and we take you back to Rockhead's Paradise in the great city of Montreal, 1963. Thank you. 
That's a little taste of uh, what was happening at Rockhead's Paradise in 1963 in Montreal, one of the legendary clubs there. And, of course, we heard the Rockhead's Paradise Show Band. And, of course, they were uh, one hell of a jazz band, obviously. And uh, they jammed on uh, a Charlie Parker tune called Perhaps, and we heard the uh, the melody at the end as played by uh, the tenor saxophonist Alvin Paul. So we heard Linton Garner on piano, of course, who was a resident of Montreal at the time, Nick Aldridge on Fender bass, and um, Bernie McKee on guitar, I forgot to mention uh, his name, Alan Wellman on trumpet, and... Um, Alvin Paul, as I mentioned, on tenor saxophone, who kind of stole the show on that. And uh, Norman Marshall Belenov on drums, who was responsible, who actually taped this from the stage of Rockhead's uh, Paradise and uh, discovered um, a tape in his uh, closet not too long ago and decided that uh, some of the music should be put out there, considering that there were Virtually no recordings uh, ever done at Rockheads. Too bad. And uh, nobody ever thought about it at that time. There was just so much going on. <laughs> and uh, it was like uh, pictures. It's so easy to take um, uh, uh, pictures today with our cell phones and stuff like that. And um, uh, just think of what, if we had that technology, if people had that back in the 50s and 60s, and we, uh, we'd, we'd have a lot of memories there. Music, same way, almost. Okay, um, and that was uh, the blues jam. Of course, uh, as I mentioned, the theme uh, at the end was uh, Charlie Parker's great tune, Perhaps. Rockhead's Paradise, yes, Mountain Street and St. Antoine. At, in a district uh, known as Little Burgundy, and, of course, that's where um, so much of uh, Montreal's um, black community um, gathered uh, there as well. Back in the day, we're going to turn our attention to uh, one of Vancouver's most wonderful pianists. He's uh, an interesting person because he can play kind of funky organ uh, like Jimmy Smith and get down and play blues and so on. And, of course, uh, when he does his own music, it's a little different. And, of course, he chooses to play the acoustic piano. And here he is with a, a stellar trio with Andre Lachance on bass and Dylan Vanderskyfe on drums. And this is from um, Chris Gestrin's album called The Melody That Is. And uh, both of these are... Um, we're going to hear two of his uh, uh, compositions and creations. And Chris Gestern is really uh, something of a musical genius, and he lives right here in Vancouver. Wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, pianist. So we're going to hear two tunes, as I mentioned before. We're going to hear the title track, The Melody That Is, and uh, we'll follow that with study number one, the music of Chris Gestern along with André Lachance on bass and Dylan Vanderskyf on drums.
two pieces of music from uh, a wonderful album that uh, was issued on the Cellar Live label. It's by pianist Chris Jestrin, and uh, the album is called The Melody That Is. And we heard two compositions um, written by Chris and played by him, of course, on piano, and Andre Lachance on bass and Dylan Vanderskyf on drums. We heard The Melody That Is, and the second piece of music was entitled Study Number One. And uh, this wonderful album came out a couple of years ago. And, of course, Chris Jestrin, one of the... uh, He has a touch of genius, that's uh, uh, for absolutely sure. Wonderful musician, piano, pianist, plays the great Hammond organ as well. Um, Tremendous... uh, musical personality, Chris Jestrin. We shall return after a couple of messages. We'd like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. My name's Gavin Walker, and we'll be right back with some music by George Adams and Don Pullen from a wonderful album. I don't think this one has ever been issued on CD. might be hard to find. We'll check it out in a moment, right after these messages. Hey, it's Cynthia from The Bike Kitchen. We moved, but we are still nearby. The Bike Kitchen is now located on East Mall in the trailer between Irving K. Barber and Brock Hall. Come down and check out our selection of used bikes, work on your bike with our tools, or get a tune-up by one of our pro mechanics. We have a one- or two-day turnaround on all tune-ups. Check out our website, thebikekitchen.com, for more information about our services and prices. People are really done with politics as usual. But then it's all about the competition. Every Vancouverite has their own story. The perfect time for our alternative. Vancouver's municipal election looms October 20th. Do you know who's running for city council, school board, parks board? This is a wacky municipal election, and you're going to want to stay updated. Download Seeking Office, the newest municipal elections podcast from CITR's News Collective. Find Seeking Office on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts starting July 3rd. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenum-speaking Musqueam people. This was supposed to be a date... The future Charles Mingus. But the problem was uh, this was to be done with uh, for an Italian label called Horo Records. And um, Mingus said, no, I can't do this. I, I'm under contract, so I can't do the date. So they got um, David Williams to play bass and the great Mingus drummer, Danny Richmond, and George Adams on tenor saxophone, 
and Don Pollen on piano. And um, later on, after Mingus um, died in 1979, uh, Pollen and Adams actually formed a band because their their chemistry was so good uh, when they were with Mingus's band. And this was their first kind of get-together uh, without Mingus because, well, as I mentioned before, he, he couldn't do this date. He was slated to do it, but um, his contract wouldn't allow him to. So it sort of became a George Adams-Don Pullen date, and uh, this was their kind of first get-together as co-leaders. And this is a George Adams composition we're going to hear. It's called Cry from the Mountain.
George Adams on tenor saxophone and Don Pullen on piano, along with David Williams on bass and the great Danny Richmond on drums. And that was George Adams' composition entitled Cry from the Mountain. And that was from an album on Horo Records uh, that was recorded in Rome um, in March of 1975. And it... uh, I don't think you can find this one on uh, on CD. Those horror records, H O R O records, are pretty hard to find, and I don't think a lot of them have been uh, put out there on YouTube or um, or CD. Anyway, um, that was "Cry from the Mountain." Here is a rather rare piece of music. With tenor saxophonist, one of the great voices uh, of the tenor saxophone, originally from Chicago, Clifford Jordan, along with Julian Priester on trombone. Uh, Of course, both of those gentlemen were graduates of uh, DuSable High School uh, that had a a great music program there. And uh, Julian on trombone, Clifford Jordan, the leader on tenor saxophone, Kenny Dorham on trumpet, and Winton Kelly on piano, two bass players, another Chicagoan, Wilbur Ware, and Richard Davis, two bassists here, and two drummers, Roy Haynes and Ed Blackwell. This is a composition by Clifford Jordan, and it's dedicated to the capital of Burkina Faso, the African country, and the piece of music is called Wagadougou.
Clifford Jordan, one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone, along with uh, a wonderful band with Julian Priester on trombone, Kenny Dorham on trumpet, Winton Kelly on piano, Richard Davis on bass, and Wilbur Ware, two bass players, and Roy Haynes and Eddie Blackwell on drums. And that was uh, Clifford Jordan's composition dedicated to the capital of Burkina Faso, African nation. And the tune was entitled Wagadougou. Clifford Jordan from his Strata East album called Clifford Jordan in the World. It's a great one. We're going to nail the end of the show this evening with a wonderful piece of music that features one of the geniuses of the piano, Phineas Newborn Jr. The leader of the band is the drummer that we heard on the last tune, or one of the drummers, Roy Haynes, and on bass, Paul Chambers. And this is from an album. Um, Roy Haynes was the nominal leader of this album. It came out on New Jazz Records, and it was called We Three. And, of course, this is one of the great tracks on the album. Um, it's a piece of music that was actually written by Avery Parrish. And um, that was his number one hit. He wrote this tune way back in the early 40s. And, of course, it became uh, uh, one of those tunes that every piano player had to learn. And, of course, Phineas Newborn uh, obviously learned it. Um, but, uh, of course, was able to extend it as well. And that's going to wrap up our show this evening. So here then is Phineas Newborn at the piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Roy Haynes on drums, and Avery Parrish's great tune, After Hours.
one of the great performances. Phineas Newborn on piano. Phineas Newborn Jr. along with uh, Paul Chambers on bass and the leader, Roy Haynes on drums from his uh, classic album called We Three. And, of course, that was Avery Parrish's uh, great anthem, After Hours. And, of course, as I mentioned before, it's one of those tunes that every pianist uh, who aspired to play jazz had to learn that tune. And uh, Phineas just delivered a wonderful version of After Hours. Successfully ending another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca for our live streaming. And uh, next week, our jazz feature will continue with the entertainment and education um, idea that we're going to explore. We did it this evening, and we're going to do it next week with a classic album by Maestro Leonard Bernstein. And the album is called What is Jazz? So it's not so much a historical perspective of the music, but how jazz is put together and what is and what isn't jazz. And um, this is an album that uh, stands up today, and it's uh, very interesting and uh, fun to listen to as well. So that's going to be our jazz feature. That's what we're going to kick off the show with next week. We're here every Monday night from 9 until well after midnight. So we'd like to thank you very much for being out there this evening. On behalf of uh, CITR and The Jazz Show and myself, Gavin Walker, take care and uh, enjoy September. We've got uh, a little more of it happening right to the end of the month. Okay? (laughs) Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.